land of Eden, Edom. And in, in Edom, they actually approached the king and said, listen, we just want to pass through. We don't want none of your stuff. We just want to pass through and just keep, continue on our journey. But in that, Edom was uh, like, it's a lot of y'all. <laughs> and, and, and plus that, we done heard some of the things y'all have done before here. So your answer is no, you can't pass through here. You're going to have to go around. So they, of course, they, they asked him again, you know, can we go? We don't want anything. And if any of our animals were to, you know, drink your water, whatever, we'll pay for it. You know, it's like just trying to make it like, listen, we just really want to get through. We don't want to stay. But they said no. He said no. The king said no. So they went around. And then they get to this land of Moab, where the king of Moab was Balak. And they just were settling there. They were resting on their journey and so forth. They meant no harm for anybody. And they were just going to pass through. So Balak, the king, was in a position that when they came in, he began to see them coming in and settling. And, ba and Balak, just kind of like us, tell the truth, just like us in that, you know, when you see a large infiltration of somebody or something, it has a tendency not only to get your attention, but kind of cause some things to stir up in you. So they like saw all these people and he said, he sent a message to Balaam who was a, was a, a, a soothsayer. He was a, he was a magician. He was a divination person. He was one that like, you know, would, people would call upon to cast spells, curse people, so on and so forth. And so the King Balak sent message to him saying, listen, come, I need your help because there's a whole lot of folk here and, and I need you to come curse them. But what he didn't understand was he was asking Balak, I mean Balaam, to come and curse God's people. Now, it's said there's not a whole lot in the book about Balaam, but there's enough to understand. Balaam had a reputation. He had a reputation for what he did. So much so that the king not only sent word for him, but he sent all kind of riches and all this kind of stuff to kind of entice him to come and do this work for him. So he sent some of his men, and when he sent his men, they got to um, Balaam and told him, what, told him what the king wanted, what's requiring of him, or requesting of him, and so forth. And so Balaam, this is, this is told my mind. Balaam said, y'all sit here and wait. Let me go sit here and stay tonight, and I'm going to go talk to God and see what he say. Can I go curse these people? So he went before, he went that night, and God came to him. Now, mind you, this ain't a saved guy. Think about what he does. He's not a saved guy. But he has sense enough. <laughs> to go by God first. Because you're talking about cursing the people. You're not just talking about giving me a spot of land and so on and so forth. You're talking about cursing the people. Not only to curse them, but to curse them so you can kill them. So he wanted some permission. So in that, he goes before and God comes to him and, and God say, who are these people? I'm kind of paraphrasing because there's a whole lot of text in here. I keep y'all here all day. 
But he said, who are these people that have come to you and so forth? And he begins to explain to God who these people were and what they want and so on and so forth. So God told him, no. Don't go with those people. You can't curse my people. Because my people are blessed. I need y'all to hear that. I need y'all to hear that because there's a truckload in that. There's a truckload in there. God's people are blessed people. So no matter what <laughs> tries to come against you, you cannot be cursed. Now, why do I say that? Because, you know, if we think about and we just kind of go back in our minds, some of the, the things that we've come through in life. The trials and tribulations, the struggles the disappointments, all those things we've gone through that some of us felt like, you know, this, this, this is it. Yeah. You know, I'm doomed. I, I, can't, I can't do any better than this. This is it. But you're a blessed people. Right. Let me pull that over to what I told y'all earlier when I was kind of refreshing a little bit some of the things that pastor had been teaching us about the picture of happiness. And I heard it today through prayer. And uh, it's like, when you finally fix your mind on the fact that you are God's child and God's blessing is on your life, it does not matter what you go through, no matter how difficult it may be. And some things are very difficult. I understand. I mean, we, we suffer things like death in our family and and, and losing jobs and losing homes, marriages breaking up, all these kind of things that seem to be very tragic ending things. But because you are a blessed people, you need to be happy. Now we get to the meat. We all have heard what we heard about the picture of happiness and how we ought to be a happy people. We even heard, and I don't remember the message when Pastor Priest, he talked about um, being an attractive people. So we're supposed to be happy in such a way that we attract people. But there's one thing that we have to deal with to be happy people that attract people. And that's covetousness. Let me show you something. This was kind of like, um, this was supposed to be about an artery and all that good stuff, but you know, just like this whole journey, it's like, okay, Lord, whatever you want. I'm gonna stop trying to do my thing. Let's do what you want. This is kind of a symbol of a happy person in that you see how big that opening is in there? Yes, sir. It allows all that God wants you to have to come through to get to you. But we get this when we're saved. But along the way, 
when we start doing our own thing and we get into things called covetousness and we don't realize sometimes we're even in it or we're partaking of it. But we decide and we, we talked about this in our group meeting the other night, but we decide sometimes that um, we're in it, we're in the with the Lord and, and we're walking and, you know, we've seen some, some great things happen in our life and so on and so forth. And we get to a place where we're comfortable. We start studying, we start praying and we're in church all the time and all that kind of stuff. And we get to a point where we start slacking. We start slacking. We start doing things that are actually coveted, coveting type things because it's as if I don't need God for everything, just some things. So in doing that, we start taking on things. We start deciding what's important, what's not important. And then before you know it, we had this going on. And then all of a sudden, because we took this, this kind of starts, this starts happening. The hole ain't quite so big anymore. And then you, we, we learn how to adapt. We're good at that, y'all. Christians are good at adapting. You know that, right? We learn how to adapt, and it's like all of a sudden, okay, well, it's not quite the same as it was, but still, there's an opening. I still can see. And then after we adapt and get adjusted to that, and we're still kind of receiving some stuff, it's not quite the same, but we are receiving something, then we take on something else. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, I can handle it. I got this. And then we do what we do, we adapt. And then we take on something else. And you see how I'm having difficult getting this in here? Y'all miss that. Y'all miss that. It becomes more difficult as you continue to covet things and take things on. And you begin to get to this place where you started out with a nice, clean opening, and all of a sudden, it ain't so open. What else is happening? My vision ain't the same. I can't see through here like I used to be able to see through here. Covetous comes in many forms. I'm going to show you another one. Come back. I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed man. But even in this, if you're not careful, if you don't take heed, as the word says, covetousness can come in. Christopher, come in. Christopher. Is going to represent money. In, in that, when I start coveting money, this happens. Deacons, 
Deke represents houses. When I start covering the houses, this happens. As I continue to covet things in my life personally, it gets in between me. So what started out so close, so connected, communication was good because, I mean, there was nothing in between us. But now all of a sudden, watch this, watch this. Now all of a sudden, when I actually, actually want to talk to her, I got to look around what I brought into it. I can't get right to her right now. But as we cover things, now watch this, go back to what I said, how we begin to get comfortable and adapt. In that adaptation, I was not paying attention, I was not taking heed to what I was doing, what I was coveting, what I was causing to come into my, search, my situation, that it caused me to now be divided. It's, it happens that easy. It really does, it happens that easy. Thank y'all very much, thank you. When, it, when we look at, um, when we look back in the verse and uh, King Balak was asking Balaam to come and curse his people, when I looked up the word curse in this particular text and, it, and it's um, Hebrew word 779 and it's arar, which means to be immobilized or rendered impotent. He wants to immobilize them or render them empty, I mean impotent, where they have no way, no power, no abilities to fight against him. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. That's what the enemy wants for us. He wants to immobilize us, make us empty, make us useless to fight against him. But remember, we are a blessed people. We don't have to fight him the way he wants us to fight him. <clears throat> Let me read for you um, Numbers 2, um, excuse, Numbers 22, verses 2 through uh, 4. Now Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was, Moab being Balak, was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel, because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as a ox licks up the grass of the field, and Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. There's something about us, God's children, that's on us, that when people see us, when people see us, watch this, they don't really see us. They see the bigness of God. 
And when they see the bigness of God, that causes fear and trembling on the inside. Because us by ourselves or we by ourselves don't, may not intimidate people so easily. But in God and the blessing over our lives, it creates this, this, this thing around us. That's why we get talked about so much. When you're at work and you want to take your little cone and pray, that's why we get talked about so much. It's not so much that you're sitting there saying words, it's the bigness of what you're doing that's being displayed. When somebody comes to you with a situation or issue and they're not necessarily church people or church going people and so forth, maybe they're backsliding, I don't know. But when they come to you and they bring issues to you and they start talking about it and you start quoting them scriptures, you start telling them what Jesus would tell you to tell them and so forth, then they start, whoa, that's too much. I just wanted a simple answer. Not a sermon. But because we know the word of God is true, then we know the word that we're giving based on the will of God and the spirit of God is the right word for them, whether they receive it or not. But because of the bigness of the word, they can't deal with it. Such as the king, he saw these people. And when he described the people, it's like, honestly, the way he described the people, I don't know how he could see anything else because it seemed like people were just everywhere. So much so that he wanted an evil force to come against them. This is a king. Typically kings, when they're threatened, they go to battle. They don't go seek help from somebody else. They just go to battle. And you in my backyard too? Really? But this king saw the bigness of God and he knew nothing he can do with that. Nothing at all he could do with that. So he called for some help. And he called the devil. And didn't know it. So Balaam, and when you read the text, Balaam would give you the impression that um, he was somewhat of a God-fearing man. He wasn't. He just knew of God. He knew of God's power and his authority. And when he went to God and asking God, watch this, covetousness, covetousness. When the king made such a great offering to him to come and curse his people, that really got in him. Because of his DNA, that got in him. It's like, look at all these things I can have. I can just go curse these people, but I'm going to go check this out first. I'm going to ask God if it's okay. And when God told him no the first time, you would think, that was it. God said no. No me, no. You know, all day, no. So he sent the people off, and they came back, even greater in number and greater in offerings. And you would think that because God told him no the first time, when they came the second time, he would have just said, no, man. <laughs> he told you no. But he said, wait here. <laughs> Covetousness. Wait here. Let me go talk to God about it. So he goes back to God again. And God told him this time, if they come back, you go with them. But you only say what I tell you to say. And so 
he eventually went with him, or he followed after him. I love this part. He followed after him as he's on his trail going to meet with King Balak, you know, to survey the situation and really figure out what he really going to do. He runs into a problem. He runs into the angel of the Lord. Now watch what covetousness will do to you. He's on this mission. He's not really being honest. But he's on this mission. Because God done told him to go. So it's like he don't really have to worry about God. So he thought. He comes to this path. Where you've got to go through like this tunnel almost. And then. Unbeknownst to him, the angel of the Lord is standing there with his sword drawn. Ready to kill him. Ready to kill him. When I first started reading, it's like, well, God, you told him to go. Why you want to kill him? <laughs> and I start rationalizing, reasoning, and all that kind of stuff like we do. And then when I asked Lord, Lord, okay, help me understand. I really want to know. He showed me. He said, his heart ain't right. And he was going on his own agenda to do what he wanted to do and not what I wanted him to do. So because he was full of covetousness, which is this, we know now it's this disease. It was, it was, it was in him. It was bad. It was burning. He just had to deal with this because of all these offerings that he had. And when he got to this point where, this, where the angel of the Lord was standing with the sword drawn, he didn't see him. But watch God. His donkey song. <laughs> the donkey saw the angel standing there with a sword, so he stopped. <laughs> this happened three times. One time, he, one time he just sat down. The next time he crushed his foot against the wall. Now, I'm reading this, and I'm trying to get in the head of, of, of Balaam now. It's like, what do you thinking? You know? But because of the blindness from covetousness, he's not paying any attention to, my donkey just won't go. What's wrong with him? But because of this disease, what covetousness will cause you to do, instead of reason things, it'll cause your, your, your emotions to start rising up and cause you to be even blinder than you need to be. Instead of you trying to get and find out what's really going on, you start trying to force it to happen. Y'all ain't got to tell me, but be honest with yourself. Has there ever been a time in your life you were trying to do something to make something happen and it just wasn't happening, but you kept trying? I told y'all don't tell me. And it was one of those times when you were doing that and doing that and doing that, and finally you got to a point you say, well, never mind. Or this wasn't meant for me. Or watch this one. Watch this, watch this believers. Watch this, Christmas. God didn't want me to do this anyway. And what you did not understand but perhaps there was an angel of the Lord standing in your path. 
ready to cut you down. Be careful what you push for. Because if you push hard enough, something is going to come out. May not be what you want, but something will come out. First Peter 5, 8 through 10 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after, your, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So, what is he saying? Be sober. Be vigilant. Vigilant. How do you do that? How do you do that? You know, we say, we say as believers that all the answers you ever need is right here. We say that. And when we say it, we probably mean it. It's just that when trouble comes, you, you, when trouble comes, you grabbing for your cell phone. <laughs> or you going, let me talk to you a minute, because I, I, I just want to share something with you. I mean, you're doing all kinds of things, but this. But this. When trouble comes. And the interesting thing about that for me is this. On a good day, you could be in the Word and praying in the Spirit and all these things and just communing with God. And man, you just, you just at that joyful place in your life that man, you just are walled up and, and just nothing can get to you. And you experience that. The problem is when we're outside of that time, and these things come, we forget this. How to be covered in God, that those things don't affect us the same way. I wonder what it would be like if every believer daily was in the word, was in prayer, speaking in tongues. I wonder what it would be like when trouble hits you. Would you scare easy? Would you feel like there's no answer? Based on your experiences now, not mine, based on your experiences, when you finally got yourself together in a troubled situation and you start realizing, or you realize you need to call on the name of Jesus like we sung or talked about earlier, when you get to that place and realize, man, all my answers are here. Why am I stressing? Why am I aging past my time? Why am I digging deeper holes? My answer's right here. And guess what? The dog on this thing. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
He's always there. It's us that leave him. Going back to the donkey who saw the angel. After those three times, God flipped the script. Don't know about y'all, but this is what the show got my attention. The donkey began to speak in, in human words. Now watch the blindness, the blinding of covetousness. This man is having a conversation with his donkey. And then see nothing wrong with that. I don't know about you, but if I go home and my dog start talking, he's got to go. I have no intention on having a dialogue with my dog. But the man is having a conversation. I, mean, I wish y'all could see this. I wish y'all could see this. The man is having a, a real conversation with a donkey. And the donkey is checking him. Why are you beating on me? Have I ever beat you? A donkey, y'all. Come on, y'all got to see this. A donkey. Covetousness will blind you. You can't see right when you're in, coveting, in a coveting way. You cannot. But he carried on this conversation. And after the conversation, the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And now he could see what the donkey saw. He could see this angel of the Lord standing with his sword drawn. And then they began to have a conversation. Where the angel told him, you know, if it had not been for your donkey, you'd be dead. Because I was going to kill you. So at that point, he got apologetic. And he said, you know, if you don't want me to go, I'll go back. So the angel of the Lord told him, no, you go, but you only say what I tell you to say. Why is that important? Let's put it on us for a minute. When God corrects us about something that we really, really, really want to do, sometimes it's not settled right then and there. Sometimes we let that thing linger for a little while and we start trying to rationalize it out. It's like, I, I, I know that, you know, I've seen some signs I've heard from the Lord that, you know, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't go there. But I can kind of see where if, you know, if I did it this way, you know, then maybe it won't be so bad. Maybe it'll be all right. But do you know what we're saying? We're saying, God, you're wrong. You're wrong. I got this. You're wrong. Covetousness. 
puts you at a place that you out of your mind and don't know it. We know, we should know, the enemy will use any means necessary to stop you. Um, and it's been said so many times in our lifetime, the enemy knows exactly what you like, how you like it. He knows where you, what you're thinking. He knows how you'll kind of shift, you'll kind of adapt, you'll kind of bend and adjust if he entices you right. So he'll use enemies necessary to stop you. That's why we have to stay in the word. That's why we have to constantly see God so we can see the enemy for who he is at every time. Amen. <laughs> also, covetousness, covetousness causes an obstruction between you and your blessing. We kind of saw that in the pipe thing, and I was trying to hold back, couldn't help it. Um, but I just want to just labor that in your minds for a moment. You know, as pastor began to teach us and show us, and the revelation of the word came plain, and about this covetousness thing, you know, all of us had to do some gut checking. We all had to do some gut checking of some kind to see, okay, is there any covetousness in my life somewhere that I don't really see as covetousness, but it is. We all have to gut check because the truth be told, after what, nine lessons, messages on this issue, it shouldn't be not one person in this room that's not completely happy. In fact, for those who can, we ought to be running up in here. Running up out of here. Excited about sharing the word. Eager to share the word. But when we're not, in any of those areas, when we're not, we gotta start checking ourselves. Why not? Why am I not completely happy? Don't fool yourself. You might have a good job. You might have a fat bank account. You might even have a house that you want. But as I heard it earlier, and that's an old song. I don't remember it. I just remember a piece that stuck with me. It says, the same folks that got you where you are today, tomorrow, they just might take it away. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> you can't depend on that stuff. It might have you sitting well and happy and on high right now, but you can't depend on it because just as you have it, you can lose it. It can be taken away. And, 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 and when Pastor was talking the other day, he was talking about um, how when, when we talk about money, how it kind of changes the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff and so forth. People don't really want to talk about it. Money 
is the biggest thing that we covet, which is the thing we fight the hardest for. Because without money, you can't have the mother things. You can't go out and buy this and buy that and buy that and buy that without money. Whether it's money you earn or money you got blessed with. It takes money. Money is huge. And we ought to be happy about it. Very happy about it. But not so happy that the money has us rather than we having it. There's all kind of scriptures in the Bible that talk about being blessed. There's money all over the Bible, whether you know that or not. There's money all over the Bible as far as speaking about money in the Bible. But there is this one dude who had a lot of money. We heard this recently in Mark 10. <clears throat> He had a lot of money. Then he comes to Jesus and asks him, how can I have eternal life? And he was rich. And he says, and it says rather, verse 17, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, that's this man coming before Jesus, and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but, but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And then and the guy comes back and says, teacher, I know all these things. I have kept them from my youth. So I'm doing those things. I said, I'm doing those things. It'll come, it'll come, it'll come, it'll come. <clears throat> then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and take up a cross and follow me. Verse 22. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff. But he didn't have eternal life. But he had a lot of stuff. And when he asked Jesus about eternal life and Jesus told him the one way to get it, that was not something he was willing to do. He was not willing to separate himself from his stuff. He wanted the stuff and eternal life, but what he failed to realize because he left so early and he didn't pay attention before he left when Jesus said, and you will have a treasure in heaven. And then we jump down to verse 31, but many who are first will be last and the last shall be first. But he had stuff. Stuff he didn't want to part with. And in that, because he missed these very, very important things that Jesus said before he left and after he left, he didn't realize that the stuff that he had, no matter how much he accumulated, was not going to give him what he wanted. 
So what does that mean? It don't matter how much stuff you got. It don't matter how much stuff you get. Because without Jesus, you don't have what you need. You can get some things that you want, stuff, money, but you can't just get what you need through doing those things. Numbers 24, 1 through 2 says, Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as far as the other times to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. There's an in-between this from the beginning. At first, he was called upon to, to curse God's people, and God told him no, and he went, and this went on three, four times. Once he got there, the king kept requesting of him to curse these people. And once he got there, and he would give Balak something to do as far as building altars and, and burning offerings and all this kind of stuff, it's like as if that was going to change God's mind. And when he got to that place where he realized God was really not going to change his mind, and he looked upon God's people, and then we get here where it says, as he looked upon the people that was out there, and they, and they were all in their tribes, and, and the Spirit of God fell on him. That's huge. That's huge. But as you read further on in the story, one would think, after all this occurrence, from the time he got messengers coming to him, asking him to come curse people, you would think that after all this and the Spirit of God falls upon him, this was done. This was settled. Dude was going to give up his sorcery and all that kind of stuff. Y'all remember this word? Pleonexia? Yes. This disease. It was in him so bad, so bad, that instead of him having his mind right now and understanding the power of God, he had hidden agendas. So much so, he was telling King Balak how to cause God's people to fall and to worship other idols and, and into sexual immorality and all these things. Like, Dude, really? But because of this, it's as if God said enough is enough with you. And further down in the scripture, you'll find out that Balaam died in battle as a result of who he was and what he did. He was killed in a war. Coming back to the same place that he was trying to be slick with. What does this mean? You cannot curse who or what God has blessed. We are a, a people with a promise from God. As we look, we can look at things like Psalms 33, 12. That seals us. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. We can look at 
Proverbs 10.22, in the Amplified Version, it says, The blessing of the Lord brings true riches, and he adds no sorrow to it, for it comes as a blessing from God. We can look at 2 Corinthians 9.8 in Amplified, and it says, And God is able to make all grace, now watch this, whoo, to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always under all circumstances, regardless of need, have all complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him and have a, an abundance for every good work and act of charity. Whew. These are just a few of God's blessings, his promises to us of the things that we can have. As his blessed and chosen people. Let me cap it off with this. Philippians 4.19 says in the Amplified. And my God will liberally su supply, fill until full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ. And then finally in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God are yes and amen. Now. I know it got quiet, <laughs> but it needed to be quiet. We need to hear the word of God. We need to receive in us the word of God in its fullness. Because I believe we have a mandate on us to be a happy people. I believe we have another mandate on us to not be covetous people. When I think about all the things that have been spoken over this year alone, we have got to get into that place where we are this happy people to receive all the promises and prophecies that have been spoken to us. I would love to come in here sometime and, and give one of them real dancing, shouting messages and so forth, but the problem with that sometimes is when we leave, we leave it here. We should always talk about the good things of God. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't think a, a shouting message is bad. I don't. But I also understand if when you sit here and you kind of go back in your mind, you start remembering some of these things that's been spoken to us. You have to begin seeing the path that we're on. In the seriousness of it. The way you see me now should be the way you see me tomorrow. The next day the next day, and the next day. Watch this, y'all. I'm going to put this on me. I'm standing here today bringing the word. I'm sharing these things that God has shown me. You should not find me somewhere huddled in a corner acting like I don't know what to do because something has come upon me. You should see me happy and still searching to make sure there's no coveting thing in me. 
so that I can take the word that's been placed on us outside of here. Share it, apply it, see it come to pass. We need, <laughs> we need a made-up mind. Because a made-up mind don't go back and forth. A made-up mind is not happy today and mad tomorrow. A made-up mind is not, not cowering down when situations come in your life. A made-up mind don't walk around like a confused person, don't know who they are, where they are, where they're going. A made-up mind. When I think about some of the folks in the Bible, when I think about Paul, who had a made-up mind, and it's like, some of the stuff Paul went through, I ain't seen. But his mind was made up. To go what he went through unto death, even at prior death, his mind was made up. He only wanted what the Lord wanted. And nothing else. We need a made up mind. When we come in here, we hear the word, we need to come in here with a spirit of expectation. But also, with the intention that I'm going to take that expectation and make life application. I got a lot of notes at home, but the notes don't mean nothing if I don't use them. We got a wall library of books, much like everybody else, I'm sure. But they're no good if we don't use them. And when I think about the riches of God, when I think about right now, when I look, whoa, when I look back and I recall the journey when times were lean, when times it seemed like it was just me, when times I was sitting wondering, why am I going through this? When at times I, I looked at others that seemed like life was just so good for them. When I look back and see how God brought me through all of it. And all I had to do is be obedient. I, I, did, I really didn't have to fight the fights. I didn't. All I had to do is be obedient. And trust in the Lord with all my heart. And he brought me through all of it. Everybody has a story. But I tell you, hmm, when you've had guns pointed at your head, and, and in today's time, that meant death. But when you've had guns pointed at your head and you was able to walk away, Jesus, when you walked as a child in a time, in a season of life where just because of the color of your skin, you was hated. 
And children were being taken and, 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 and done all kind of things to them and, and, and being killed and, and, and brutalized and all this kind of stuff. And you walked in a neighborhood of such where you know this happened. You know it happened because some of them was your friends. Some of them might, might even be your family members. But I'm able to stand before you today. When I think about the goodness of God and all that he's done for me. When I think about those things, and I do on purpose, it's not to be, not for me to be held or in bondage to those thoughts and so forth. It's not for that. It's not for that. You see, because as I've been walking through life, as we've been walking through life, and we've been having the word revealed to us and so forth, and we get it, we understand it, and so forth. I, I want to, I, on purpose, I want to stop hitting and missing. I want to remember what God has already done for me. And attach that to the promises that he has for me. So I don't know about y'all, but for me, sometimes I need to remind myself. Smile, fool. God has been so good to you. Even when you didn't have enough sense to call on his name. Even when you know you should have been dead under the circumstances, God has been so good to you. Even when you reach in your pocket and you came out with a burnt hand, God has been so good to you. Not a day in my life have I starved for food. God has been that good. So if nothing else, I know I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed. Don't have the key to the mansion just yet, but I know I'm blessed. God has been so good. So when you're having those quiet moments or those difficult times, Look back. Look back. Like Elder said, when you don't feel like praising or saying hallelujah, look back. Look back. Look back to those times that you felt like saying it. When he brought you through. Work your spiritual muscles. So, so when the spirit of heaven is trying to fall on you, your spiritual muscles just push it off. Just push it off. You know, I think that if we start really acting like the Bible tells us that and stop trying to be so, then we'll rightly walk in that name of a peculiar people. You know what I mean? It's like, it'll be like, I don't know, you have your average day, you know, and you're just kind of going along your day. 
and then, you know, somebody brings some news to you that's not favorable news, instead of doing this, like, man, yes, Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I trust you, I believe in you, you have done so many great things in my life already, God, and I know you will do it again. That's a happy person. That's a real believer. I mean, we're all believers, but that's a real believer. When you can go through and you know God has got your back. Most of us, or not most of us, some of us have had the experience of losing somebody that's real close to us. And that's why I appreciate the words that we've been taught right now. Because when I lost my mom, that was hard. That was hard. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever faced in my life. Because in my mind, she was supposed to go in and come out. But when she started coding, that was the hardest thing in my life. And in the pain of it all, God, I don't understand this, but I trust you. I trust you. Did I stop hurting right away? Nope. But I trust you. And you know what? Almost two years have gone by now. And I have some moments where I really miss mom and all that kind of stuff. But you know what God started doing to me? After a message came forth and made me break loose from that grief, he started showing me and reminding me of the good things. He told me once again, reminded me, you know what? Mama was saved when she left here. So although I miss her in the natural, This journey that we're on is a journey on this side that does not end. There's always work to be done. But knowing that we are a blessed people, there's no work we cannot do through Christ. The scripture tells us all things are possible. All things are possible. So the next time you maybe be by yourself, <laughs> Trouble comes your way. Don't get quiet, get loud. Remind yourself, I'm a blessed person. Remind yourself, sorrow don't last always. Remind yourself of the things that God has already brought you through. And you know what? Unlike us, he didn't get tired. He didn't tell you don't come back no more. 
this was your last time. God is a good God. And he's worthy to be praised. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I had to learn. Don't ever get tired of praising God. I had to learn that when you're around people, it's not about how you praise. It's not about how loud you praise. Nothing against those things because I can get pretty loud. But I had to learn that the more I praise God, the more he hears me. And the more things happen in my life. Because I'm a blessed person. So when we're in church or somewhere else and there's a call for praising God, man, do like I do. I almost put these blinders on. Because I, I, I don't want to see nobody else. I don't. Uh, not in a mean way, but I don't want to see nobody else because I don't want no distractions on my praise. I don't want to be trying to adjust my praise because the person next to me is loud or quiet or not doing anything. I, listen, I want to praise God so much that it doesn't matter what's going on around me. Look around, y'all. Look around at each other. Look at God. All y'all heard was my story. But there's so many stories in here. There's so many stories in here. And when you just take a moment in time and think about how many stories are in here and how God has done so many things for so many people, that in itself ought to make you want to praise God. Be remiss if I did not ask this question. I would be disobedient. Is there anyone in the house today that's not saved, does not have a right relationship with the Lord? Is there anyone? Only you know. If you are like I was a long time ago, a real shy person, don't want attention on you, you can always come down later. Because there's always time. Always time. Amen. Amen. So I take it that everybody's saved. Really, y'all? Everybody say, yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs>
Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We praise you today for the word that you brought forth, God. We just ask right now as it resonates in our mind and our hearts, Lord God, that it would become one with you. That the revelation knowledge would be so much, oh God, that we would just bathe in it, Lord. We'd be saturated in it in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that uh, in, the, in the time that our pastors are away, Father God, that you are blessing them as you bless us, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for all that you have done today. We ask, oh God, that you would just continue to be with us as your word says, you will never leave nor forsake us. We thank you so much, Lord, for all that you've already done in our life. And we look forward to the things that you're about to do or going to do. We trust and believe in you, Father God, because you're not a man that you should lie. And Father God, we're just so honored to just be in your presence today. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 All hearts and minds settled. Everybody here got a made up mind? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I ain't running for office because y'all can't fool me. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Amen. Amen. Listen, in all sincerity, 